0: Welcome to the co treat Corner, the podcast where professionals like you and I talk all things collaboration without misinformation or judgment. I'm Gage, speech language pathologist, private practice owner, and your host. Thank you for joining me and my guests as we dive into the ways to collaborate to better the lives of the clients we serve. My hope is that you walk away with the tools and the knowledge to achieve more collaboration and less competition. All right. Let's get collaborating. Hello, hello. I'm so excited for today's episode. We have Christina Tenerello with us. Christina is a school district BCBA, and she has been working in the field of ABA for over 15 years. She has worked in a variety of environments, such as a psychiatric hospital, a residential group home facility. She's done home-based ABA and the school setting, which we'll talk about today. She is passionate about promoting inclusive environments for students, and she also loves to enhance her behavioral practice with individuals that she serves. She believes that relationships are the key to staff and student success, and when you change staff behavior, you will change students' behavior. I am so pumped after reading that. I just feel like that's such a, unique take on things like I feel like we we know that right but we don't do that all the time
1: no and I'll I'll give Dr. Polly Gavoni the shout out because he's the one that said it he's like a big OBM school-based BCBA Ah. guy and I really took that change staff behavior change student behavior from him so that's not an original I will give credit where credit is due (laughs) but I take it as my absolute mindset of like that's where it starts especially in the school
0: Gotcha. So we'll give him his flowers. Okay. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but that's still okay. So acronyms there. There's so many in both of our fields. Um, OBM. Explain yes. to my listeners what that is. I know what it is, but they might not.
1: Um, organizational behavior management. I think I'm at a big OBM. Yeah. Person, but yeah, I think that's that right? what
0: it is. I think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so that's like corporate side, right?
1: Yeah, like all your like systems and how you're like increasing productivity and all of those pieces. Yes. I'm sure I'm sure I use OBM, I just don't know I'm doing it type of vibes. Right. So. Well I was gonna
0: a yeah. I, I was gonna ask you, do they consider schools like like a a kind of a wing of that?
1: I mean they have to be, right? Because you're really especially mm-hmm. within public schools, I mean you're really working in structured systems and how things
0: Um, Mm -hmm. should be in
1: procedures and all those pieces. So yeah, I'm sure it has to be like a a lot of that. I'm not selling it very good. I'm sure it's really, really important (laughs) and I could use some learning in it, but yes.
0: I, that's the same over here there's certain things that I do and I'm like oh yeah that's that oh yeah that's that
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah sure. um but yeah. yeah so thank you so much for that introduction and your bio is just absolutely amazing I'm so excited to talk to you mm-hmm. so can you just tell us a little bit about what led you to the field of applied behavior analysis so I've always had a strong passion
1: for working with individuals with disabilities. And so, you know, naturally, when you kind of start in that, um, I thought I wanted to do like special education teaching. Um, mm-hmm. But then really, as I was kind of working, as I kind of started getting my footing, I really started seeing that I was really driven by um, individuals who engaged in Uh, More intensive behaviors. And so I think it was just like through, I mean, I think a majority of BCBAs will tell you that they just kind of fell into it. And I just Mm -hmm. kind of fell into it. But what drove me was my passion for inclusion and disability advocacy that I kind of found the field.
0: Yeah. And your um, Instagram handle is inclusive ABA, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people get like, I think I've been attacked by a few ABA haters Uh on that. Uh And it's like, (laughs) it's, it's really about how do we use inclusive practices within our own Mm -hmm. science? And how do we um, help individuals who may be exhibiting more challenging behavior who are usually more segregated in more separate Mm -hmm. placement situations? And how do we still take our science and still help them be in the least restrictive environment. So that's kind of how it started, but
0: yeah, I, I've gotten
1: some hate mail. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, sure. Man, I don't
0: care, so. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. anybody in the in the field of ABA, ABA has probably had at least one, you know, person. <laughs>
1: I mean, are you, are you an ABA if you haven't been dated on for like a second, right? Right, right.
0: Yeah. And we, and don't get me wrong. I know that the history is definitely, you know, tainted and there's some things that you guys have had to definitely grow through and work through as a field. But I think that's the reason that I, yeah. I started this podcast is because there are people like you, there are people like Shelby who are trying to move it forward and are doing it beautifully so that's um just my whole spiel on that um so but the other thing is like if people would yeah if people would just take a look through your content they would see that they would understand why it's called that you know what i mean like oh people are just yeah yeah,
1: it's all right. It's okay. We'll
0: we'll let them have their moment. So that's fine. We'll let the yeah yeah. So <laughs> what kind of, what kind of settings have you worked in? I know we talked about it in your bio, but like at least tell me maybe your top
1: three. So the top three would have to be. Um, m- I will just go talk to you. I've spent the majority. So like when I did that bio, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I worked in a psychiatric <laughs> facility. That's crazy. And I <laughs> forgot that I worked in a residential group home. Um, but definitely in-home and school-based, um, school, a school district. Those have been like the core. And it's really been my school district experience and have been even more of the core of, of my work that I've done.
0: And that's where students spend most of their day, at either at home yeah. or in the school.
1: Yes. Yes, that's awesome.
0: So that kind of leads me into you working in the schools. What does your typical day look like? I feel like I would not know what to do if I was a BCBA. I've only seen like the clinical side of it. So what is your day-to-day look like?
1: Yeah, I I feel like it's a loaded question, right? Because what my (laughs) answer would be versus another school-based BCBA might be different. Um, But I, for my district, I'm split between about four sites. Um and so really what I do is um if I'm at a particular site that maybe has a registered behavior technician, I might check in with her of like how our you know list of students doing and we support in a variety of environments. Um Janet mm-hmm. and the special day class. Um so I would usually also um push into the different classrooms, uh collaborate, consult with staff because uh, my role is considered a staff support. I'm not an IEP service. So it's really oh. collaborating and working with staff on how's this going? Um, what interventions are successful, not successful? Did so-and-so have a good day, a bad day? Let's talk about it. Um, and then kind of shadowing them and kind of helping. The, and they might ask me too, like, oh, I've been having like such a hard time at PE. Can Can we go and like talk at PE kind of a thing? Um, Mm -hmm. So that could be like one day. Another day is um, we're really trying to push out more preventative um, curriculum instruction-based like behavior skills training within one Mm -hmm. within one particular um, program. So it's really Uh might be like really kind of teaching um, a center or really working on how to uh, teach the skill, introduce the skill, et cetera. And then um, I know I posted a lot on my, recently on my stories about it, but staff trainings are like a huge yeah. part to um, what we do because in the school setting, I think this is where I get a little, I get defensive sometimes because people are like, oh, school, people aren't trained. And it's like, I know, but come come and see all the you know barriers that we're faced with. But we're really yeah. trying to increase our trainings to not like I've talked about it, like no all day trainings because they're really not, the data doesn't support it, but also mm-hmm. like meeting sites that like what they need. So if it's like, yeah. I need you to talk to staff about like behavior 101 practices, or my other staff know that they need to know like what to do in the moment, or they don't understand what replacement behaviors are. Like we're trying to tailor our staff meetings, our staff trainings to. What specific sites need, and so I think anybody that works in the school knows that culture is like a huge part of how a school runs and what they do, mm-hmm. so it's really understanding that particular school culture, um, how they vibe, how they gel together, and sometimes, especially in you know a special day class, there's mm-hmm. a lot more staff, and I think special ed teachers are not used to managing staff and students and mm-hmm. so um Sometimes a lot of it is like team building. I feel like that's a lot of what yeah. I do too, is like helping yeah. bring up staff to communicate better with each other. Because that's the biggest piece too, is when you're having to, um, I don't want to use the word manage behaviors, but mm-hmm. you know, work on interventions and all these pieces when staff don't communicate, then everything falls apart. So that team yeah. building piece is like a huge part of what I do. My one of the RBTs I work with, she started calling me the camp counselor because that's what I feel like I'm doing. I'm trying to like build teams up. I love that. A typical day
0: (laughs) Uh, that's a lot in your typical day. Oh my goodness. Um, so but thank you for your service. We need any
1: given day, so
0: yeah, thank you for what you do. That's that's a lot. So RBTs, registered behavior technicians, those are so we call them our like SLPAs, our speech language pathology assistants. So is that like your
1: version of an assistant? Yes. I think I've, I've heard somebody else say that to me or for, um, the CODAs, right. The certified occupational therapy assistants. Yes. Um, yes, pretty much our, our assistants that do a lot of the stuff, a lot of, um, treatments but the, our treatments are going to look different than than the slip treatments or the code treatments, were right. right so yes right they're like our, our assistance
0: yes okay got it and then I had another follow-up question oh about IEPs so you were saying that you are not like a related service right but you are the person that I believe we go to for like FBAs and BIPs those are some other acronyms that I would like you to break down for my listeners mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about yeah. that
1: yeah, so um, an FBA is a functional behavior assessment. It's a comprehensive assessment um, that really goes into the history of behavior, the analyzing of you know your what happened before, what happened during, what happened after observations, um, really looking at um, past documentation to see what's been done, what hasn't been done, Um, You know, you're interviewing a whole uh, team that's working with the the students as well as parents, too. Um, So it's a pretty comprehensive, thorough assessment. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people, what an FBA, I think, looks like in the clinic world is kind of different than what an FBA looks like in the school world. Um, Sure, sure. We're definitely Mm -hmm. more subject to, you know, um, litigation. We always talk about your reports have to be legally defensible. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. you have to be as thorough as possible. Which is, I, I wouldn't say an, a, a clinic-based FBA isn't either, right. ours is like a little right. bit bulkier because we're really, yeah. you know, it's with those lens. And
0: mm-hmm. then your
1: FBA is going to drive your behavior intervention plan. So that's really kind of like the, what do I teach? What do I do? Recipe to um, really work on some of these replacement skills that the FBA showed that the student needed.
0: I actually didn't know that an FBA led to a BIP. I kind of just thought of them as these two separate things.
1: So I'm glad that you made that note. Yes. Yes. It's very important. Um, And I think it's a lot of people will talk about, well, sh- an FBA should be done before a behavior intervention plan. And I could probably spend a whole other podcast episode talking <laughs> about, Um, yes, that's not wrong. However, in the schools, um, just it's it's not it's easier said than done kind of a thing i mean right. you're talking about um assessment plan timelines and um it you're talking about reports and statute of limits i mean you're talking it's all the special education language that it's like mm-hmm. yeah i would love to do an fba for every kid that we put a behavior plan out for but is it sustainable is it feasible um so it's like it's a whole other rabbit hole that i'll i'll take your, I'll save your listeners from uh,
0: dealing with. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, even on the SLP side, there's just so much, um, and I don't mean to sound so negative, but red tape, you know, in the schools that is just, you know, it's a whole nother world than, than clinic life. Um, and I think that's why we have such a shortage. Um, but, uh, so with, your current role. Tell me how your collaboration looks like on the day to day, and you kind of already touched on that. How you're collaborating with the staff. You're like a camp counselor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You're reaching out to families. So, mm-hmm. were you always comfortable doing these things, or was it something that you had to kind of build that muscle over time?
1: Um. Okay. So, I think that I've always been like a people person.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've
1: always could talk the ear off to anybody, but. <laughs> because I used to be a bartender too, back in the day. Oh, the really? So I, I, <laughs> I, I, can, I can talk to anybody, but talking and collaborating are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, collaborating was not as, was not in my skill set, and it's not something that I even remember uh, being touched upon in my graduate program. It was nothing that I really, truly saw being modeled to me. I definitely, mm-hmm. when I first started in ABA, I think I definitely saw... Um, behaviors being modeled that were very more old school of like, I have the answers. And if you just listen to me, then I'll make your life better. And it's not working because you're not listening to me. And I Mm. think that I, I recognized at the time when those behaviors were being modeled, that that wasn't the correct approach, because I had a mentor who wasn't a BCBA, you know, she was a psychologist. Mm. And she really talked a lot about how relationships are going to get you farther. Always, all the time, you develop a relationship, they're going to get you farther. And so it was kind of this dual, like seeing this type of behavior within my field. And then somebody Mm -hmm. from an outsider being like, don't be like that. Gotcha. So I, it's not that I had to unlearn certain things, but I had to learn, okay, I'm going to go back to how do I build a relationship with this person? And I think what happens a lot of times, particularly in my field, is that that seen as like not being direct, not getting to the root of some mm-hmm. of the problems. Passive. I would mm-hmm. Passive, that's a great word. Mm-hmm. But I would disagree. Um, I think that... When I've built a relationship with staff, it's it, to me, it's funny when people say that in the field. And it's like, but then what's the first thing that we talk about with students or clients or learners? Rapport. To build rapport? So mm-hmm. why? Yeah. So why would I not do it with stakeholders and um, people who are, you know, actively involved in the student's life? Like, it, it, it makes no sense just because they're an adult. I, I absolutely do want to know what they did this weekend because it's going to build the relationship, you know? I completely agree with that. That is such a great point and that's something that I
0: feel like I know and like is a reason I created this podcast but like I never put it that way. I love that. I'm going to steal that but I'll give you your flowers when I do steal it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really, I mean I wanted to, I'll say this also, when I'm working with staff, probably the hardest Mm -hmm. individuals to collaborate with um, are the teachers because Mm. you're coming into their domain, it's their, it's it's their room. It's how they run things. Teachers are so great because, and I can say this to all the teachers that I love, they're a bit of control freaks, right? They need control <laughs> because that's, and, and and that's how they manage an effective classroom and that's how they minimize chaos. Uh-huh. So now let's add the layer of an individual's engaging in um, uh, pretty significant behaviors that are really disrupting, um, that homeostasis and really causing chaos Mm -hmm. and then if i come in with the energy of like well you're just not doing it right or my favorite to really trigger uh teachers which (laughs) i never say but well you're not following the plan um that's not effective it's not effective Mm -mm. collaboration so i really try and come in and this was a learned skill from working with other individuals uh really working with um more mental health professionals of like validating mm-hmm. their experience of being like, yeah, you're living this. I'm not living this every day. You're living it. I hear you. And then like letting them vent and being their therapist for like 30 minutes. And then, um, and then kind of being like, okay, so it's a lot. And I'm not saying, and that's my favorite. I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying it's going to work. I could be totally mm-hmm. wrong, but mm-hmm. can we go here and what's that going to look like for you? And a lot of times I might hear that that won't work. And I say, okay, that won't work. We'll cross that off the list. How about this? And they say that might work. And then I have, and then we have somewhere to go from there.
0: Wow. You are a, uh, I try. Okay. This sounds, it
1: doesn't work all the time.
0: (laughs) This sounds really bad. And so I don't want to offend you, but I feel like this is, I've Mm -hmm. never seen a BCBA come at anything that way except for the, the gems that I found, you, Shelby, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure you know tens more, um, tons more. I do, but, yeah. wow, like I've never like, – I feel like that's a lot of what I hear in the schools, not just from BCBAs, but just from other, you know, related services provided. I'm probably one of them, you know, um, that have said – Oh, well, you're not following this or you're not giving them this strategy or you're not doing this accommodation. It's like we go in with, well, what they're not doing, but I could never be a teacher. I could never be a right. teacher. They do so much. I can't imagine having to deal with all of those different things, good and bad, you know? And so for you to come in with that attitude of like, Hey, this is your show. I'm just here to assist. And if you're saying that this is not going to work okay, let's try something different. And that also speaks right. to your skill set as well, like you being able to pivot. And only people who are experts in their field can pivot like that. Some people, they they think that it makes them look better to come with the graphs and the data and, oh, no, this is the way to do it. But really, I feel like the smartest people and the most competent people are the people that can come come with you with all the different kinds of ways to do one thing.
1: No, I I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think that I think that as after I like build time and rapport, and maybe if we're mm-hmm. not getting anywhere with particular staff, I think we could have more um harder conversations of like, okay, right? But we said we try this, and we haven't tried this. Can we please like I've done the whole like please right. you know um, <laughs> thing too, or um? But I, but I think I have to like really assess where that particular teacher is. And then what's in their skill set and all those pieces. But that didn't come, like, right away. I mean, I've right. been in the schools for almost 10 years now. And it's – every year it grows because new experiences teach me how how to get better at it, you know. And it, it's still not perfect. It never will be. But, um, you know, it's the – it's but it's also learning from other service providers that have taught me mm-hmm. that, too. That I've seen, like, oh, wow, I really like the way that this SLP just collaborated with the teacher to show them this piece. And I'm going to steal some of that from what they did and put it into my own practice too. Yes.
0: Yes. I feel like a lot of just the therapist life is like looking at other people and taking that and running with it and making, making it your own. I feel like that's a lot of what I've been doing too in my
1: career as well. So who do you feel like you collaborate with the most? Um, Speech and language pathologists for sure. Yeah. I love them. There might be weird beef sometimes between the SLPs and the BCBAs. um, But it's really cool. Like I feel like sometimes I, when I start working with a new SLP, I want to be like the, like, I come in peace. I'm not that BCBA. Don't worry. And really kind of set the stage. And then once I get them like a little bit more, like, okay, it's fine. But it's the same for me, right? I feel like sometimes SLPs come and I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Do you see this behavior (laughs) that I just like help staff with? Like, I'm not just trying to piece out. You know what I mean? So I feel like the SLPs and I have gotten to this great place where we're like, we are not common enemy. Like we are friends. We can be friends. Um, So yes, that's that's what I was going to say. Keep going. Sorry, I, I cut you off.
0: Oh no, you're okay. So you collaborate with SLPs the most. And um, who do you wish that you could collaborate with more? I'm sure you collaborate with teachers a ton too. Who do you wish you can collaborate with
1: more? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Obviously teachers are like number one. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking like service providers. I would oh, no, collaborate no, no. with SLPs yeah. the most. Um who I wish I would collaborate with more is mental health professionals, actually, mm. the way that this climate is kind of going, I really and how um disability is truly blending with like your mental health components and how mm-hmm. it's it's no longer these two separate things, right like it truly mm-hmm. is combined together, and I do and I have access to um collaborate with mental health professionals within my district it's just not something that I have um constant access to so I do Uh wish that I um could and and to collaborate with mental health professionals more because I think that they have so much great information to give especially when it comes to behavior and really talking more about you know I think ABAers are going to call it attention connection seeking behaviors and I think that mental health professionals see that very very different and i really mm-hmm. do want to collaborate more with like okay how do you think that i should respond to this um this you know this so and so behavior and so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's where i think my i'd like to go next
0: yeah so it's funny you say that because in my experience i've seen like social workers and i don't know if i've seen a psychologist do it but i've seen them sometimes do the fba or the BIP, is that something that you've also seen?
1: Yes. So, school psychologists um, absolutely can do a functional behavior assessment and a BIP. It's very much in their training, their repertoire. They are usually the first go to um, for a lot of things. So, I collaborate a lot with the school psychs as well. Um, I work in constant communication. Uh, that th- So, yes, the school psychologists, for a lot of people that are like, well, where do I start with a lot of like IEP questions? You always start with the school psychologist. They are the true expert when it comes to um, special education. I have found that to be
0: true. I remember walking into my first yeah. school SLP job and being like, oh my gosh, you're like the gatekeeper to all things. Like I need to be friends with this person. All things.
1: <laughs> all things. All things. And I yeah. think that they get dumped on a lot and it's not fair to them because they have so many skills. Um, mm-hmm. then they're so valuable and vital to special education. So, yes, I, I do need to give the flowers to um, the school <laughs> psychs out there that are doing amazing, amazing work.
0: Well, if you know a school psych, please send them my way because I've been trying to get one on the podcast oh, yeah. for a while.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I already got you. I'm going to DM yes. you her Instagram. <laughs> we're, we're done. I got you. Don't worry.
0: Love it. Love it. So you were kind of talking about earlier, you know, some of those quote unquote ABA haters out there, like you've saw, you got some of them on your Instagram, unfortunately. And so with that in the schools, I'm sure you've run into a couple of, you know, individuals who are not at all like on your side in that regard. What are some of your, like, go-to, I don't know, materials, presentations, statements, quotes, I don't know, that kind of reel, reel them in a little bit to being like, okay, she's at least a human, that's nice, and I can at least
1: hear what she has to say. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. I think my <laughs> go-to, it, it kind of, it, it, it would start with a couple different things. I, I've heard a uh, teacher say uh, before, um, all, all you do is dangle carrots in front of kids. Um, and that was a, a jab that hit me a, a hard in the, in the stomach a bit. And I said um, that one I, I clap back a little bit more of like, no, that's not what we do. And I start to give more real life examples of reinforcement and punishment and how um, behavior transcends humans, animals, all the things. And so I got her to ease up a little bit. I felt like that wasn't necessary in that particular case. I needed to estam- establish more of a boundary um, first, mm-hmm. and then we could work on this relationship piece of like, I'm not who you think I am. So so that was mm-hmm. one example. Another mm-hmm. example um, that I've done is really talk a lot about um, he's a big, uh, I'm a big admirer of his work, is Dr. Hanley. I think he writes a great, um, he's got great work. So I think I really kind of, Um, start to disseminate really more of his today's ABA and that's kind of been starting to be torn apart a little bit but I don't disagree with what he's saying in that paper and so we really Mm -hmm. talk a lot about today's ABA and what that looks like and um those pieces so those are those are kind of my I start to go more like Mm -hmm. the the philosophical way of like we're not Mm -hmm. focused on compliance we're focused on cooperation and we're focused on self-advocacy and why that's so important and so um I don't know, so I, I think I think it's funny though because a lot of people, particularly teachers, that think I'm doing something, it's like all of their critiques are very much like what I'm against. I'm the opposite of, mm-hmm. so it's like you're upset with me because I'm honoring functional communication, but you, but but in reality, you just want this kid to sit down and be quiet the entire time. So right. I just think like, yeah, those. I just wanted to throw that in there hmm
0: No, that, that's, that's the interesting part of it. You know, like I've also seen a ton of critiques on your field. I've had a ton of critiques on your field. And then when you really look within and you're like, I've done that, I've definitely done that. And have I grown? Right, right. Have I learned? <laughs> have I become a better therapist? Yes, I have. So why can't they, you know? So right. I just, I just right. preach that all right. day long. Um, so So this kind of goes into my next question. Your collaboration styles have to change from person to person, from field to field, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you just talked about how you have to approach some people with more of like not necessarily defense, but just those boundaries versus you can come to some people with open arms. So kind of talk to me about how that has been balancing all of that in the schools because there's so many different stakeholders.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also like really understanding and reading, um, an individual's energy. I think you can tell a lot mm-hmm. by the energy that they're giving, how they're approaching you or not approaching you. So I think that kind of mm-hmm. starts with that. Um, you know, depending on how much I can laugh or joke around <laughs> or just kind of get yep. them to like loosen their shoulders a bit and relax. <laughs> it, it, yeah. So it's, I mean, I, This isn't very ABA of me, but I like go off vibes, you know, like what's the vibe that they're throwing me. (laughs) And so that's kind of how it takes me through my collaboration. I mean, I've worked with teachers where I'm literally I can't get anywhere after like months. I can't get anywhere. Mm. And then I finally like I had one particular teacher that was so guarded the whole time. And finally, I was like, "Just tell me what you need from me, because I'm trying with you, but I don't know what you need from me, and I want to help you." And then everything, like, I could see her totally relaxed, and I'm like, oh, that all I had to do this whole time?" Right. So <laughs> sometimes it really is being just kind of direct, but in a mean way, in like a really fun right. way of like, "I want to help you," you know. Mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire, help me help you vibe, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. Um. So yeah, and then it's just, and then other times it's, it's just like reading the energy, reading an individual Mm -hmm. to let you know what they're going to give you and what they're not. So that's part of it.
0: I agree. I definitely agree. You have to read the room. I like to say, um, in everything (laughs) with collaboration, (laughs) um, how do you deal with those stakeholders who have not bought in like you did you were able to kind of break through with that particular individual but have you ever come across an individual who's like no not doing it that's not going to work you don't know what you're talking about
1: oh yeah of course I mean you (laughs) wouldn't work in the schools if that didn't happen right um so yeah so then you could do a few other things I've consulted um, with other teachers, like I had this one particular teacher, I have like a teacher bestie and I text her and I was like, I don't know how to get through, like, give me, give um, me some tips. So consulting with other teachers of like, Hey, what language do I need to speak? Cause I'm having a hard time with this, that, helps. Mm-hmm. um, consulting with other providers that maybe work interacting with that particular teacher or provider who could be, I'm using air quotes, difficult.
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: It's it all comes down to consultation, talking to mm-hmm. my colleagues of like, hey, have you ever worked with this person? Like, how do I, I can't get through, you know? Um, yeah. And then if needed, like, kind of going up the chain of command a bit, um, involving, mm-hmm. you know, administration, your vice principal, your principal to show like, I'm not tattling on you. Like, I want this mm-hmm. to be like, beneficial. And you know, I think at some point kind of just saying if we don't feel like this is effective, like I'm needed, then I have no problem letting you do your, like, you you do you kind of a thing. Yeah. And, um, and then let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. I think
0: that's all you can do. I totally agree. Um, so I'm kind of going off the cuff a little bit if that's okay.
1: I have a thought. I love I have a it. Well, no, we love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about, me and Shelby touched on this a little bit too in the last episode. Talk to me a little bit about like sensory rooms, all of that stuff. Sometimes I feel like it's like a just send everybody there when some things can just be done in the classroom. You know, like just talk to me a little bit about your opinions on that, how you all utilize it, et cetera, et cetera
1: so um our um district does not have sensory rooms actually um there's uh. a lot of things uh sensory wise that we can't do just based off of um legal component uh-huh. to it so uh-huh. we don't we don't utilize sensory rooms um two of my colleagues came from um a, a place where they did use sensory rooms and they they gave like their good um Feedback on it, how it was helpful, not helpful, mm-hmm. how they utilize it, all those things. But um, I actually am working right now, collaborating right now with a, a occupational therapist who um, is very co-treatment. Let's collaborate. Mm-hmm. Let's pro- let's push in, provide it if we need to um, pull out a student to like do sensory walks or breaks or anything like that. Yeah. This is what this could look like. Um, so. I kind of really look at it as like, uh, it's, I think this is also what it's a lot of working in the schools comes down to of like, under what conditions, right? Uh What do you have at your disposal that is going to help you to be successful? How creative can you be with the resources that you have? Uh Um, How do you advocate that you need certain resources or different resources? So I feel like to be honest, I don't have an opinion on it just based off, like, mm-hmm. I don't really have the experience in it, mm-hmm. um, and we make do with, with what we have. Um, right. Have there been individuals that use it and have benefited from it? Sure, yeah. I I, mm-hmm. I I couldn't give you a an answer just based off my experience.
0: Yeah, I think what is... I, I've seen it benefit, right? But I've also seen that it concerns me because these are, you know, in the school setting, you have those, those special education minutes and you have those services that you need to have in the classroom. Yes. And yeah. you're spending almost half your day in another room with one person. It, it just, it's, it's icky. It gives me the ick. I don't like it. And so, you know, but it's one of those things like you, you just don't, yeah, you just kind of, you don't have an opinion, but you're kind of like, you see things, you're like, mm, and you just kind of, yeah, you just can do what you can do. Um. So, yeah, it's just one of those things.
1: Well, I think you touched on something, which is true of the minutes of people not really understanding um, specialized academic instruction minutes. Um and mm-hmm. how you are like bound by law with those minutes. And so I think yeah, if you're spending like an hour to two hours in a separate room without a credential teacher, you kinda get into some hot water of, mm-hmm. um like the whole like, is that legal? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's it. just so
0: Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a whole I, thing. I, I it's a whole you. thing. <laughs> Uh, so what do you wish that people knew about working with you working with other ABA therapists?
1: Um, I wish, or I want people to know that, um, I think like don't, the the classic don't judge a book by its cover type of vibe. Mm -hmm. If you've met just an a-hole of a BCBA, (laughs) we're not all like that. Um, there's like a good portion of us that are just nice and fun and funny and criticize our own field. Cause we have every right mm-hmm. to, um, cause we want to make it better. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it's a, I would give the don't judge vibes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, be open the same way that you would be with a, a, a student, a client, a learner. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would go by that. Don't judge us. That, that's my, my biggest thing.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly my biggest thing too, that I preach on the podcast. It's like, don't judge people. Yes, we've seen terrible, terrible things, but I've seen terrible, terrible things that SLPs do. I've seen it from OTP. I've seen a lot of things, you know, and we can't just, I think it's very easy, especially on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, like to just point fingers and get on this kind of bandwagon, mean girl kind of vibe, you know, and I'm just not for yeah. it I'm not for it i didn't I didn't go to yeah. school for that. <laughs> I went to school to help my clients, and the way that I can do that is collaborate with other experts in their fields.
1: No, I love that. I think that's like the perfect like cherry on top to exactly what it is of like don't judge off the experience of of what you've seen um continue to collaborate and work, reflect on your own past practices. I'm sure everyone no one is jesus god dalai <laughs> lama like you've all like everyone's had moments where it's like oh crap I really probably shouldn't have done that
0: okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna
1: be better and so mm-hmm. and that's okay but the righteousness that comes from people that work kind of within this field is it's just a lot and so that's I think that's my my biggest thing and I think that that's when I get maybe a little bit more defensive of the field yeah I'm like yeah if I have an SLP that's coming at me and it's like you you work on your house. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pull out your skeletons. Don't pull out mine. But then also I, I tell myself, like, all right, calm down, Christina. Like it's, it's <laughs> they're not wrong. Okay.
0: And, and I think that wrong. we have to get more comfortable with educating within our own field and educating other fields, too. I feel like those uncomfortable conversations are just that. Uncomfortable, and uh, at least in the SLP field, I speak for us. A lot of us are Type A, and we've all gotten straight A's. All—not me, but most of them have gotten straight A's throughout their whole life, and they're perfect, 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 never messed up. And so, if you're trying to educate them on something, it's like defense mode, you know. And so, I feel like we have to drop. We're not in grad school anymore. Nobody's competing to get in grad school. Like, let's drop that and collaborate for these clients
1: right i it was that's music to my ears because i think it's absolutely the same in our field um in aba it's i think you get meet a lot of rigid bcbas because Mm -hmm. it's very much this competition of like are you going to pass your first time if you didn't pass your exam your first time guess you're not that good and then also (laughs) like oh how many times did it take you to pass your exam well i don't know and then rigid like (laughs) And I think that the rigidity, and I am not a type A BCBA. I am very type Mm -hmm. B. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess we should write that down. That's a good idea. Cause I'm a vibes Southern California BCBA. (laughs) Like I will own that proudly. Um, Because I go with the student and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the beauty of ABA is just like the energy's good. We're feeling each other. We can do this. Like we're learning more about each other I hope someone's writing all this down that I'm doing right now because I'm not taking the data for it, you know, like <laughs> right. fire me. And someone's going to report me to the board for saying that. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there are those rigid BCBAs that are, and, and, and there's this place for them because they're going to make mm-hmm. your spreadsheets and your graphs and they're going to talk about the data and all the, those beautiful things because that is cool, but we're not all the same. So there's yeah. a lot of type B BCBAs out here. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I feel that.
0: Well, you represent them well, I will say. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much, Christina. This was such a great talk. It went by so fast.
1: I'm like sad. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. No, I know. No, it was so fun. Thank you so much for setting this up. And I I feel like you're really trying to disseminate like great things um, out here. Because I will say one of the biggest, hindrances within our field is that we don't collaborate with people who disagree with us. And we need to collaborate with people more who disagree with us, um, because we learn from them. And so I think that like, that's what you're bringing to the forefront of like, coexistence for the betterment of other people who benefit from these services. So thank you. Yeah, yeah,
0: thank you so much. And I'm learning so much that we are more like than we are different. And so this has been really just so great for my like education as well in my development. So again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. This is like a weekday in the evening. Y'all, she's got kids. This is like a lot. Okay. So I'm really, (laughs) I'm really, really (laughs) thankful. And I hope you have an amazing day. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel more confident in your ability to collaborate and positively impact the lives of our clients. If you are wanting to learn more about guests on the podcast, be sure to check the show notes for important info, links, and more. Again, thank you for listening to the Code Tree Corner. Make sure to follow us at co Corner on Instagram and go get collaborating.